want you to open them with me to the book of 1 Timothy. To the book of 1 Timothy, amen, I can say that, right? And uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 1, amen. Amen. I'll give you a minute to turn there. Sometimes those 1st and 2nd Timothys can be a little challenging to locate, amen. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 1, it says this, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Look at me for a moment. I just want to comment briefly on this passage. There's a lie that comes from Satan himself, and that lie is that Things are going to turn out how they turn out no matter what we do. And that's just simply not the truth. And here we see that we're instructed to pray for our leaders, all who have authority over us. And that includes um, in our nation, of course, our president, our Congress, our local leaders and governors. And the reason we're instructed to pray for them is obviously so that things will be well with them. But most importantly, so that things will be well with us because they make decisions that affect us. Now, if it was going to be however it's going to be, whether we pray or not, God wouldn't tell us to waste our time. But things are better when we pray and they're not when we don't. But again, he's, he's also tying this in with something um, or relating it to something else. Let's keep reading verse number three. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires to be saved who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, who desires for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So, like, I'll give you an example of what we're dealing with in India right now. For years and years and years, the nation of India was very open to the gospel, was very open to the public assembly and preaching of the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and His kingdom. Um, Not so much any longer. the government that's in charge has made rulings and, and is fighting against now what they used to welcome openly. And notice, because that has impacted um, men and women like Jerry and Marilyn O'Dell, uh, whom we partner with, um, it's affected their ability to reach people for the, for the kingdom with the gospel um, on, on the large scale like they used to be able to reach them. Just one example of, of how those in authority are making decisions that are now affecting the ability for all to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, for the sake of our study, I want you to notice that God's desire is, number one, all men to be saved, Number two, and to come to the knowledge of the truth. The knowledge of salvation is knowledge of the truth, but it's only the beginning. If we understand what the Bible teaches, we we understand that it actually requires a born-again spirit and then the help of the Holy Spirit who comes to live inside of our born-again spirit. It requires both of these, the Holy Spirit and someone to be born again of the Spirit to be able to come to the knowledge of the truth. 1 Corinthians says that to the natural man, that's speaking of one who's not been born again, 
The things of God are foolishness, make no sense. So until someone is born again, receives salvation, they're in no position to be able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So salvation happens instantly, but coming to the knowledge of the truth is an ongoing process that requires our cooperation. Are you seeing this this morning? I, I, for years, although the verse said it in this order, be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, I just kind of you know, equated those two as being the same thing. That somebody came to the knowledge of truth and got saved and that's what it meant. No. He's talking about receiving salvation and then once we've received this, the salvation gift that we've been offered by faith, now we begin the process of coming to the knowledge of the truth. So again, salvation happens instantly, but coming to the knowledge of the truth is an ongoing process that requires our cooperation. And because the Bible likens coming to the knowledge of the truth with eating food, we see that the stronger the truth that we're coming to the knowledge of, the greater the cooperation is required from you and me. Does that make sense? Is that, is that pretty plain this morning? We said it this way last week. It's much easier to prepare a milk-based meal, much easier to prepare and serve, and much easier to consume and digest something that would fall into the category of milk as opposed to solid food. Solid food requires more time and more effort to prepare, and it requires more time and more effort to consume. And of course, we see that the Bible teaches that there are some truths. It all comes from God, if it's truth. Amen. But there are some of God's truths that fall into the category of milk. And then there are truths that fall into the category of meat or solid food. And since the food that we eat spiritually, the spiritual nutrition that we consume, uh, determines our spiritual growth, if we're going to continue to grow in the things of God, we're going to have to continue to grow in the truth that we're consuming. Now Hebrews 5 talks about a whole bunch of folks in the body of Christ who've been saved for a very long time, but they're still sipping milk. And, and they haven't progressed into the stronger or weightier or deeper truths that God has for us. But that's not us, amen? We're, we're progressing in those things, amen? Amen? All right, now in, um, in John chapter 8 and verse 31 and 32. I'll just put it up on the board right quick. You don't have to turn there. It's, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. There's a lot we could talk about on this passage, but I'm just trying to, to use it now to confirm to you that again, coming to the knowledge of the truth is a process. Notice that this group of people initially believed in Jesus. But then Jesus said, look, you need to commit yourself to continuing in my word. And if you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed. And then what? You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Now, I want you to turn with me and if you will open to this one, 2 Peter um, chapter 1. So if you're in 1 Timothy, continue on past uh, Hebrews and James and, um, and then you'll come to First and 2 Peter, all right? 
So 2 Peter, if you underline mark things in your Bible, I'd like for you to mark this, this passage in 2 Peter. Second Peter chapter 1, and we'll begin at verse number 2. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. I read that from the King James Version this morning. So grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according, in accordance with His divine power that has already given. Hath given means already been given all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Again, through the knowledge of Him that's called us to glory and virtue. So what he's talking about here is what we've been given versus walking in what we've been given. Let me say it another way. Same thing another way. What belongs to you already versus you experiencing and enjoying what belongs to you already. See, we have been given by grace all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that you ever need in this life to live the life God created you to live has already been given to you by God. That's why he says all of his promises are yes and amen. You never have to ask God if it's his, prom if it's his will to fulfill one of his promises in your life. The answer is yes, and so be it. Now, there's a very important key in verse number 2, and we talked about this Sunday night a week ago. And I know that sometimes we have a, a different group that's here on Sunday night that's here on Sunday morning. And so I, I really felt impressed with the Holy Spirit to just comment on it briefly here. Because what we are seeing is actually a mathematical equation. And I want to break it down for you this way. So if you notice in parentheses we have grace plus peace times truth. Are you seeing this? Grace plus peace times truth equals amount of grace and peace experienced and enjoyed. I see some of you taking pictures of that. If you, if you don't have the ability to take a picture, I'd write it down because again, this, this is a fundamental that we need to understand in our lives. It's a, it's a spiritual, mathematical equation. Now, let's talk for a moment. First of all, grace is undeserved favor. Anybody besides me could use some undeserved favor in your life and family and bank account and health and all that, right? Undeserved favor. Pam and I have been confessing that we are expecting an abundance of undeserved favor in our lives today. Amen. I encourage you to begin to confess that over yourself as well. Now, the word peace means more than you think it means, perhaps. This word for peace in the original language means health, well-being, prosperity, and every kind of good. So undeserved favor, health, well-being, 
prosperity, and every kind of good. Let me say it again. Undeserved favor plus, in addition to undeserved favor, health, well-being, prosperity, and every kind of good is multiplied in your life by a factor of truth. By a factor of truth. Multiplied by a factor of truth. Now, again, just to make it plain, 14,738,379 times zero equals zero. If there's no truth, there will be no grace and peace experienced and enjoyed in your life reality. If there is the opposite of truth, you do realize that any number multiplied times zero is zero, but any number multiplied times a negative is a negative. It's a compounded negative. I think I said something like this a few weeks back. What if they came, into you, uh, you know, came to you on your job tomorrow and said, we will triple your salary if you will just simply learn this material and develop a skill from it to be able to apply it on your job. We will triple your salary. See, that would be times three for those of you who are keeping score in mathematical land, okay? See, I, I, would, I would dare say that every person in this room, I know I certainly would, I would modify my schedule, I would alter my television time, I would adjust my priorities to incorporate this new material, this new understanding, this, this new training, this new skill, again, because it's going to increase my earning by a factor of three. I'm going to break it down one other way if I could, all right? More truth equals more and more undeserved favor in your life. More truth equals more health and physical wellness. More truth equals more mental and emotional well-being, stability, and wholeness. I'm going to say it again. More truth equals more mental and emotional well-being, stability, and wholeness. We live in a world that needs more mental and emotional well-being, stability, and wholeness. And it's true in the body of Christ just like it's true in people who are not born again. And it's left, it's left some people saying, well, you know, I thought Jesus was going to help me with all this. I, I thought God was going to make a difference in, in, in my life and all this. It's grace and undeserved favor and health, well-being, prosperity, and all kinds of good times a factor of truth. More truth equals more financial gain and success in every area of your life. More truth equals walking in more freedom, 
more peace, more joy, and more righteousness. More truth equals experiencing more and more of God's blessing and goodness in your life reality. Let me say it another way, all right? One more way, okay? There is nothing in your life that you need or desire that is good, that truth will not increase for you. Nothing. Now we could preach three weeks on this, but how about Proverbs 4? His words are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. He sent His word and healed them. In other words, the truth of God, because it's living and powerful, His truth operating in your heart will cause you to be physically healthier. Physically healthier. Now, what we're seeing is that stronger truth and heavier, more weighty truth means a stronger truth factor for grace and peace to be multiplied by. Let me try to say it another way, and I, I probably should have consulted with Sister Pam Sandretto before I mention this because she's obviously taught math, retired high school math teacher, but you know, you think a number's a number's a number, but that's, not, that's really not true. And so if there are milk-based truths, just increasing the quantity of milk-based truth that's operating in your life is good. But if we're talking about grace plus peace multiplied by a factor of truth, you have the opportunity to bring a number with more weight to it, a factor with more oomph to it. Think like an exponent. You remember when they started putting those little numbers up beside the number? Like what in the world, right? But 25 to the fourth power is not 100. Right? That doesn't mean 425s. It means 25 times 25 times 25 times 25. Remember? Exponents, right? See, the weightier truth, the heavier truth becomes a truth factor exponentially multiplying grace and peace in your life. That's why the devil is so afraid of it. Now, I keep making this statement. I'm going to make it again and again. The greater the truth, the greater the resistance surrounding it. The greater the truth, the stronger the truth, the more powerful, the more potent, the more solid food the truth represents, the greater the resistance that's going to surround that truth because you have a very real enemy who's trying to keep you from ever ingesting, digesting, putting forth the necessary time and effort, adjusting the priorities that need to be adjusted in our lives in order to lay hold of the stronger truths that will literally cause an exponential multiplication of undeserved favor, health, 
well-being, prosperity, and every kind of good. You still with me? Now, I believe that our oneness with God, and we're still on that subject, amen, we just getting, we just, we ain't even through the introduction yet, okay? But our oneness with God may very well be the greatest battleground truth, and I'm going to use a new terminology for some of you this morning, may very well be the greatest battleground truth of all. Let me explain the concept of battleground truth. Are you still with me this morning? Everybody good? The Lord first showed me this years ago during a presidential election. And that was when I began to hear um, the terminology a battleground state. Has anybody ever heard that, a battleground state? And what a battleground state is, um, it, it involves a state that is hotly contested by both parties, the Republican Party and the Democrat Party. And typically those states, at least in my lifetime, have been states like Ohio and Florida. Now, we don't get a lot of campaigning by the presidential candidates in Alabama. The Republicans don't tend to come here very much because they pretty much know Alabama's going to vote Republican. And the Democrats don't come here very much because they know Alabama's going to pretty much vote Republican. And so they focus all of their financial resources, time, effort, and energy in the states that they have to have to win to get to the White House. Yes? Am I boring you? It's a battleground state. Well, in the same way that there are battleground states, there are battleground truths. The devil doesn't want you to know any truth. But there are some truths that he's going to fight you harder over than others. Because the stronger the truth, the exponential factor it becomes in grace and peace being multiplied in your life. See, the truth is what breaks the chains of bondage off of us. The more truth you operate in, the greater freedom you operate in, the more freedom you experience and enjoy in your life. And listen, there are strong chains that require strong truth to break. The devil doesn't want you hearing strong truth, doesn't want you experiencing strong truth. So, again, the greater the truth, the greater the resistance surrounding it. The stronger the truth, the stronger the resistance surrounding it. So, when we talk about these different things, and we, we gave like four lists of things last Sunday evening. It's free, not trying to sell you anything, it won't cost you a penny. Uh, just some time, commitment. To, you can look it up on the internet, uh, hccnow.org or... Amen. Get, ask Pastor Rick, fill out a form, we'll get you a copy of it. You can listen to it on your iPhone, podcast, what have you. But there, there are things like, oh, praise God. I tell you, well, let's just do this. Amen. Because time is, is uh, moving on. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter 2. 
Hebrews chapter 2. Let me just go to a couple simple go-tos, okay? You were created to glorify God. See, that's, that's true. Now, let me give you a stronger truth related to that, okay? And you'll see the difference in the resistance. God created you to glorify you. <laughs> see, there's a difference there, right? That kind of lands in our heart a little differently there. It's like, whoa, hold on a second, Pastor Mark. What did you just say? No, let, let me say it again. Romans 8 says, whom he justified, called, right? He also glorified. Okay, now, watch this. You were created to give God glory. Yeah, sure, that's true, absolutely true, okay? John 17 says, you have been given the same glory as Jesus. See, it's a stronger truth, right? Stronger truth. More resistance. More resistance. All right, Hebrews 2, you, you, you there? Everybody good? Verse number 10, Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 10. For it was fitting for Him, this Him is speaking of Jesus. For it was fitting for Him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Okay, look at me for a minute. Let's talk about this verse for a moment. He's saying here, and if we'd have read you know, further back, started deeper back in, 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 the, in the chapter, he's talking about Jesus. It was required that He become a human being, that He be, become flesh and blood so that He could experience what we experience as we experience it. And this has now qualified Him to become the captain of our salvation. Amen. He was made perfect through the things that He suffered. A perfect sacrifice. A perfect Redeemer. A perfect Messiah. A perfect Savior. A perfect Advocate. A perfect Mediator. A perfect High Priest. A perfect Head for the Body. Are you hearing me? Because of what He suffered because of what He endured for us as us. Amen. And notice now that this is the same one that all things were created by and through and for. He's making that clear in verse 10. For whom are all things and by whom are all things. This is the one and only. Lord and Savior. Messiah Jesus, amen, this is who he's talking about. And he has become the captain, I love that phrase right there, the captain of our salvation. He is the, he is the captain of our salvation and he is leading us. But notice, it doesn't say that he's only leading us to salvation. It doesn't say he's only leading us to the forgiveness of sins. It doesn't say that he's only leading us to heaven one day when we die. But it says that he is bringing many sons to glory. To glory. Verse 11. Strong truth right here. Beware. Strong truth, don't choke. 
But don't leave it on the plate either, please. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Now, Jesus is the sanctifier. And those who have been born again are the sanctifies. Amen. He is the one who is sanctifying us. Are you hearing me now? This is important. He is the one who is sanctifying us. He, he is washing us with His Word. He is cleansing us. He is helping us with his, through His Word to renew our minds and, and to get the wrong thinking that leads to the wrong behaving out of our lives. Amen. So we are a work in progress. To be one who is being sanctified means we, we are still growing. We are still learning. We, we are still uh, you know, coming to this knowledge of the truth. Amen. But the one, the captain of all of this, high above, far above, right? The Bible says He's the one sanctifying us. We're the ones being sanctified. But He who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. And because we're all of one for that reason... He has no problem calling you his own. He has no problem calling you his brother. He has no problem calling you. I don't want to go too far into this. You ladies say like, well, does that, does that leave the ladies out? Or just, no, no, please hear me. In salvation, ladies, the Bible says that you have the same standing as the son. Which is not the case in their day. But it's the case in the kingdom. So even those who are of female gender have the same standing as the firstborn son. Wow. An heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. Okay, I know I'm out of time. Let me, let me, let me give you this, all right? When it says, He who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, if you look this word up, one, it's kind of like one. Well, we all know what one means. Well, do we? Because all of one here literally means, are you ready? Strong truth, here it comes. One and the same. One and the same. Singers, musicians, would you please come? One and the same. Come on. No, sir. One like this. Amen. One. One. One.
The Lord's really helped me with this. I, very excited about the things we're going to be talking about. And one of the things that I'm going to show you in Scripture, and, and I, I was struggling with it last week when the Holy Spirit moved on Sister Dot to just confirm that it was time. Been kind of sitting on some of this, letting it percolate. There's some things in the Scripture, some terminology in the Scripture that I believe is 100% true. It's the truth. It's strong truth. Some of the strongest truth in all the Word of God. But figuring out the right way to say it. Amen. Figuring out the right way to say it. Right now, the list is up, I think, to nearly 30. 30 different places the Lord has shown me in the Scriptures where He has treated you and me as equals. 30 different places in the Scripture where it says, proves that He's treated you as an equal. <laughs> now, I was going to give you a bunch of examples a while ago of the difference between milk and meat. We just waited to right there, okay. There's resistance there. You feel it? Some of you feel it. I can see it in some of your faces. You feel that? That's resistance. Because it's the last thing in the world the devil ever wants you to believe. You see, when a child of God's mind is renewed to who they really are in the eyes of God and to Him, the devil is just as powerless to stop you as he was to stop Jesus. Can't do it. That's heresy. That's blasphemy. Somebody was telling me the other day that several years ago I was talking about Jesus being our brother and one of our brothers who used to attend church here got so offended at that. Strong truth. It was, it was too strong. He couldn't swallow it. He couldn't chew it up and digest it. You see, we... If you think, I, well, that's just one abstract scripture, Pastor Mark, that you're kind of pulling out of context, and that's not really what that means. No, it's what it means. Again, for it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are one in the same, for which reason he's not ashamed to call them brethren. We resist Him calling us brethren. We, we resist that understanding. See, I asked Father, I said, Father, you know, we, we talk about how much you love us. He said, it's not enough. It's not enough. There needs to be further clarification. Because there's this general idea of God as our Father. We, we preach, God, you're our Father, and we're your children, we're your sons and daughters. He said it's not enough. Because there's this general paternalistic thought that so many have of me as, as being, as being a, a, a Father in heaven. He said it's likened unto nature being their mother. It's not enough just to believe you're a child of God. It's not enough just to randomly say that God is my Father. Because if you really understand what that means, it means you're one with Him. 
And we find out just how much we believe He's our Father and just how much we're His children when we put it in the context of oneness. It exposes that what we really believe is some lactase milk-based, uh, lactose milk-based concept of God as our Father and we're His sons and daughters. But when you bring alongside that what it really means, born of His seed, born of His Spirit. You say, Pastor Mark, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. God does not treat us as equals. It cost Him a member of the Trinity to bring you back into His family. If that's not treating you as an equal, what is? You, you hear what I'm saying? My God, I could, okay, God's silly. Stand with me. Stand with me. We're Amen. We, we're easing into this. We're easing in. We're easing in. See, remember the word. We got to make the tent bigger. We got to make the cords longer. And we got to drive the stakes deeper. He's stretching. He's stretching. If you stretch something too fast, you'll break it. If you stretch it too fast, it'll rip, it'll tear. Right? Because we're putting new wine in the old wineskin of our thinking. And that new wine will even burst the old wineskin of our thinking or it'll, it'll transform the vessel in which it, is to, it, it contains it, right? It'll, it'll, trans, it'll, it'll, it'll make it more pliable. It'll make it more flexible. It'll make it more agreeable. You get anything out of this? Amen. 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 Father, we stand before you humbly, sir. Help us to stop looking at everything from our perspective. And to start looking at it from yours. Father, help us to embrace the stronger truths of your word. Because it is your truth that sanctifies us. It is your truth that sets us apart from this world unto yourself. to finally fulfill the purpose for which we were created in our fellowship with You. And finally, Father, for Your body in the earth to be in the position that we need to be in to do what You've put us on this earth to do and accomplish. Father, You know my heart and I ask You to help these who are listening to me know my heart as well. This is not about trying to prove some point. This is not about trying to be controversial for controversy's sake. Father, I would have much rather served everybody a milkshake this morning. I would have much rather, Father, put a big dollop of whipped cream on top of it with a cherry on top and everybody going out of here happy with themselves and happy with their families and all that stuff, Father. But Lord, it's time for the stronger truth. It's time for the meat. 
It's time, Father, for us to dig in our heels and lay hold of some things, Father, that are going to separate us from some things or separate us from, uh, you're going to separate some things from us or separate us from some things, Father. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Jesus. Teach us by your Holy Spirit. Father, that's all I ask. I'm, I'm not the teacher here. The Holy Spirit is the teacher here. Father, I, my simple prayer is that you give me utterance. My simple prayer, according to 2 Corinthians 5, when I open my mouth, is as if you were speaking through me. Father, that my spirit, soul, and body become a portal through which your truth can pass, your wisdom can pass from eternity into time and space. Lord, that, that truth from your heart can pass through my spirit, soul, and body into this room. A portal, Father, a window, an opening. We've splashed around in the milk long enough, Father. It's time. It's time for us to quit playing. It's time for us to get serious about our destiny in you. Our purpose, our identity, our fellowship, our connection, our union. Father, we've cooperated with you, but it's time to cooperate more. And I ask right now, Father, by the Holy Spirit, that you would begin to show each person in this room, whether they submit or not, whether they're willing to take the next step or not, Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would begin to show every person in this room what we each individually need to do to cooperate with you more. You're trying to help us, Father, but we're only giving you so much cooperation. Show us, Father, what we can do to cooperate with you more. To cooperate with you more. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's sing this song together. If you desire to be prayed for this morning or you just want to come and pray, these altars are open.